Good morning, everyone. Uh, we, as James said, we're back in Ephesians. Uh, we've only got two more left. Um, so for the second to last time, let me ask you to join me at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If you've got a church Bible, it's on page 979. And there are plenty at the, the back of the church left, if you want one. Page 979. And you'll see on the back of the order of service uh, a sermon outline. Um, this morning we uh, read Paul's instruction to the third relationship dynamic um, that would have been found in a typical Ephesian household. And we pick up in chapter 6 from verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can uh, come together with such uh, freedom very little gets in our, our way in terms of physical or, or material uh, objects. But Father, it is always a, a spiritual battle to come here and gather, and we thank you that you're, you protect us that way. We pray this morning as we, as we listen to your voice that you would speak to us. We pray that you, we would believe in your Holy Spirit that dwells within us, and we pray that you would apply uh, your message this morning to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as Christians, we believe that Jesus is making us more like him, both in our individual or our private lives, but also um, outwardly in how we treat the people around us. The way I love my neighbor flows from the love that I have uh, for Jesus. And what we're thinking about this morning um, is how in even the most challenging of relationships that Jesus gives us a gospel freedom. In chapter 6, there are three types of relationships, and in each one, someone has a position of power and authority. Now, in the Roman Empire, the man of the house would have had all power and authority over his family. We talked a bit about that last week. And that would have included uh, the slave in the house. And that's what bond servant means. You'll probably see a, a footnote on your Bible translation. This is a, a slave in the Roman Empire. And so a, a Christian needed to be taught just how potentially dangerous it was for his spiritual life to have this sort of limitless power and authority over someone. Uh, it could easily corrupt the heart. There were no legal boundaries, no social workers or social etiquette that would stop the Christian in the abuse of his power 
in this position over his family. Now, as we said last week, the 21st century household is different to the typical one in, in Ephesus. Our world, society, our laws, our church congregation is different to the one of Ephesus. But the problems in our relationships, the relational uh, dynamics, are very similar. This morning, we're focusing particularly on uh, the, the dynamic or the challenges that are brought about by power and authority. Many of us, I'm sure, will have experienced a, a relationship where someone is misusing their power and authority. Maybe some of us will have been under this, this power and authority and we will have been hurt, misled, misguided. But also some of us will have been in, uh, the one in a position of power and authority uh, and we'd have been the one who may be misusing it and hurting others. So this is a very sensitive uh, situation to speak into, uh, and particularly for Paul. Remember, he's in prison, uh, and yet he still manages to pastor and, and disciple this congregation uh, by giving them this, this letter which is inspired by the Spirit of God. Now, when it comes to dealing with uh, disunity in a relationship caused by power and authority, he teaches Christians that they are servants of Christ, servants of Christ, and that gives them this gospel freedom, a gospel freedom that brings about a new attitude of submission, a new motivation of love, and a new perspective of equality. There are three points this morning. So the first one, a new attitude of submission. Paul has already called Christians to live in this posture of, of submission towards one another. Uh, you'll remember that in chapter 5, verse 21. To submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it's in that context that Paul says, verse 5, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. In other words, Serve your earthly master as you would Christ. Do what you've been asked to do. Do it with an honest, pure heart. This is the attitude of a Christian who's freed from the slavery of sin, always giving their best for the sake of Christ. Paul says, do what you're told to do. Give your best with fear and trembling. This is a, a phrase that's usually associated with our attitude towards God. It's an attitude where we desire to please, to not let someone down. It means we have a conscience. And that's not something that's guaranteed in the fallen world. A conscience is part of God's gracious redemption. The Christian servant is eager to serve their earthly master, giving the best they can with a sincere heart, just as they would Christ. I wonder if you notice those little words just on the end of verse 5. As you would Christ. Now, any one of us today who have been told what to do by teachers, partners, parents, police officers, nightclub bouncers, we'll all understand that our immediate response is not always the wisest. And so before we respond, we need to run a quick test, an examination of our attitude. 
And the best way to do this is by remembering, first and foremost, we are a servant of Christ. How are we serving Christ in this moment? Is my heart sincere? Is this how I would treat Christ? Now, you might, you might be more concerned right now thinking, well, that's okay, but why doesn't Paul just tell Christians to end slavery? And this is uh, one of many uh, parts, I guess, of the, the letters in the Bible where we need to remember Paul's not a politician. He's not in a, a nice, comfy office writing a thesis or a manifesto on what an ideal society would look like. He's in prison. And his mission uh, is for people to receive the gospel and bring glory to God. His primary concern was freedom from the slavery of sin. Gospel freedom for the servant of Christ. In the context of this letter, his, his primary concern isn't about getting this slave out of the household, but finding unity within it. The whole household working together, just as he, he taught about the whole congregation working together, working together to build one another up in love. And that brings us to our, our second point this morning, a new motivation of love. Just uh, look to verses 6 and 7 and look at the kind of service that Paul calls the Christians to. And think, what, what is the motivation here? He says, not, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and, and not to man. He says, do your best as a Christian, but not only when someone is, is looking at you, but all the time. Uh, doing something by way of eye service means doing what you need to do, but only when you're being watched. So for example, imagine if your job on Monday morning or perhaps in the, in the summer, you're working in a factory, it's a tin roof, it's baking hot, um, and you're on a concrete floor for eight hours a day, there's a real temptation to just put down your tools and only pick them up when the boss comes round. Just keep the bo boss happy. People-pleasing, as Paul says. What would be the problem with that, do you think? Why not, as Christians, just people-please? Why not keep them off your back? Well, I think given the, the context of what Paul is saying in the, the whole letter, I wonder if he's, he's pushing at a, a tough question for us to ask ourselves. Is this secretly our attitude to Christ? Just trying to keep him happy, keep him off our back, keep your head down, get through it, it will be all right. But I don't think that, that's the kind of uh, attitude that's driven by a motivation that's very Ephesians-like. Uh, in chapter 3, verse 17, Paul prayed that Christ would dwell in their hearts, that they would be rooted and grounded in love. In chapter 4, verse 16, he says that a body where each member works together builds itself up in love. A motivation of love. And you all know this, that as Christians, we come to learn that love in this fallen world is less like chocolate and roses 
and more like a cross and a crown of thorns. It's hard work. It can be painful. It means dying to the self over and over and over again. The motivation behind this extraordinary attitude, extraordinary attitude of submission, of hard work, of doing your best to serve Christ, it comes from knowing the love of Christ. Only a servant of Christ who loves Christ, who knows deeply and intimately the love of Christ, can give his or her best, even in the most difficult situations, because it is all for him, for Christ. And it's not for the rewards this world has to offer. Look down to verse 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. The motivation driven by the, the love of Christ believes that our heavenly master who sees all and knows all, will repay each of his servants according to their works. Listen to this from Romans chapter 2, verse 6 and 8. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. The temptation for us is to live in a way that rewards us now. Instant gratification. Is this the right motivation that we should have as a Christian? I think this morning, let's, let's ask God's Spirit to check our hearts, check our motivations, what is the, the quality of our love for our heavenly master? Because only God will, will help to give us this new attitude, this new motivation. And finally, a new perspective. In verse 9, Paul addresses the masters directly. But notice that there isn't a long uh, list of separate instructions for them. In fact, it, it's quite the opposite. Masters... Do the same to them. There is a, a social hierarchy in, in place between the slave and the master, yes. And he tells him, you know, stop your, your threatening. One has more power and authority over the other. And yet Paul challenges the master to have a new perspective of equality. Paul wants both slave and master to have a new attitude, motivation, perspective. Paul wants, Paul wants them to have a perspective defined by knowing that Jesus is master over them both. The heavenly master shows no partiality, and so the Christian earthly master must absolutely demonstrate grace to everyone without qualifications. In chapter 2, Paul told the Ephesians that Christ has made one new body in place of two. He's broken down the wall of hostility. They're being joined together, growing as a new temple in the Lord, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 
We all have different positions in society. We're given different levels of power and authority. And yet in Christ we're equal. All equally undeserving of the grace given to us by God. And this perspective should lead to what Paul says in chapter 4. He urges them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Gospel freedom gives us a new perspective of equality in the kingdom of God. The master of the slave cannot treat him as the world would. The slave's his brother or sister in Christ. Remember, Jesus said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Throughout our lives, we'll all be uh, in situations where we'll be under someone's power and authority. But then there'll be other situations where we will have people under us. How will we handle these situations? Will we seek God's help to have a Christ-like attitude, motivation, and perspective? Don Carson says, if we were to relate to one another, as Paul instructs us, not just in our passage, but in in, in all of Ephesians, it really would be a foretaste of heaven. And I think he says that because submission to one another in this fallen world, so difficult. Our attitudes are driven by self-righteousness. Our motivation is the the love of things like worldly rewards. Our perspective is simply blinded by our sin. But one day, when our Lord returns, incredibly, we will be without sin. Our relationships, the way we talk to one another, will not be so fractured by the fall. And how easy it will be then to love one another in the way Ephesians calls us to. But here we are, this side of the the cross, as it were. And in our relationships, if we feel powerless, it can be really horrible. What Paul teaches us here is to respond with a gospel freedom as a servant of Christ in a relationship where power and authority has become a problem, I think one of the big things that we have to face up to is the fear of humiliation. And I was telling my, my small group last week that for some reason during communion, I got this overwhelming sense of just how incredible it was how Jesus faced humiliation at the cross. Jesus was mocked. He he looked like an absolute failure, a total nobody. Got it all wrong. It looked like he had no power, no authority, no control. And yet, he didn't go to the cross shouting at the soldiers and the crowd saying, I'm doing this, but just so you know, this this is the Lord's will. This is not failure. 
You're wrong to mock me. He just seemed to know. He knew that this side of the cross to expect mockery. To live with the appearance of failure, of weakness, to feel the pains of betrayal. He knew that he had to wear a crown of thorns. He believed with a sincere heart in doing all things for God. He had a desire to do God's will. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, from verse 41, we read this uh, incredible account of the hours just before Jesus faced the cross. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Gospel freedom is the freedom to pray, the freedom to serve God, the freedom to desire God's glory over our own, the freedom to be a servant of Christ. As we pick up our cross and follow Jesus, as we strive to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, when we face all the complexities of relationships, when we face the the power and authority of people over us, when we manage and supervise those under us, let's remember Jesus. Let's strive to pray like Jesus that we would even in our darkest moments pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let's remember that hidden behind the veil, God will send his angels to give us strength. And let's pray. Father, we thank you that you did send Jesus to this world. We thank you that he is a, a servant king, We thank you that uh, through his blood and his sacrifice that we have been freed from the slavery of sin. Lord, give us strength, we pray, as we battle the, the complexities of our relationships, of our world, as we see with our eyes the fallenness of all the pain, the suffering. Help us to have faith, Lord, to live by faith, not by sight. Help us to be a good servant of you, Lord. Not just because we know we should or we've been told to, because we're motivated by love, the love of Christ. And Father, whoever we are, whatever our situation, however we serve at church, whatever our family looks like, whatever our workplace looks like, help us to have a good godly perspective None are above you, Lord. No brother or sister is greater or lesser than the other. We are all equal in your eyes. We're all undeserving of your grace. We pray as we come to this end of uh, uh, relational uh, situations in Ephesians, you pray that you would help us as a church to relate to one another in a way that is godly, honorable, peaceful, gentle, and humble. And as we praise you now, Lord, we pray that you would be amongst us as we worship you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.